It says, tell it to your children and let your children tell it to their children and their children to the next generation. And that's been the theme of this whole series, right? That we continue to find ways to share the truth about Jesus, the saving work of Jesus with the next generation. And it was funny, right? The video. But that last call, please pray for millennials, is a big deal. They need our prayers. They need to find their way back to Jesus. They need our help in doing that. And it's hard today to do that, but it's still the call. In fact, the whole theme of this whole series is it should be putting into us not just a desire, but kind of a burning desire to, to begin sharing with the, these up-and-coming generations that are following us. And so as we go through this, ser- this sermon today, we're going to be talking about millennials in a lot of different ways. And I'm going to give you a lot of statistics that it's just going to make you think, I hope. And so... The millennial generation, just to begin today, as of 2019, ranges between the years of 18 and 30 years old, 39 years old. And just like the generations before it, it's really kind of a fascinating group. Let's take a look at some of the statistics. Millennials today make up one quarter of the population. They are larger than the baby boomers and three times the size of Gen X. Millennials have now surpassed Generation X as the best educated generation in U.S. history, with almost one out of three attaining a four-year degree, college degree. Now for some perspective. In the last five years, 87% of millennial workers took on management roles, compared to 38% for Gen Xers and 19% for baby boomers. And here's the ominous note. 63.3, so two out of three U.S. executives will be eligible to retire within the next five years. Guess which group is getting ready to inherit a disproportionate amount of our economy? The millennials. And yet with all that education and numerical power, the millennials are thus far and by far the most disengaged generation ever in our workforce. A study stated that only 29% are engaged, in other words, are working, 3 out of 10, while 55% are not engaged, over half. In other words, not working. And 16%, and this is a little bit disturbing, 16% are actively disengaged, which means already at the age of before 39, already to never never be looking to work again in their life, 19%. They also change jobs far more often than any other generation in history. For example, 21% of millennials, one out of five, changed jobs in 2018, while another 60% said that they were open to it. This turnover by the millennials is actually costing the U.S. economy an estimated $30.5 billion annually in training and retraining their workers. 44% of millennials say they'd be more engaged, though, if their boss would just sit down with them on a regular basis and ask how they were doing. 67%, so two out of three, say they'd be more engaged if they believed a little bit more in what their company was trying to do. 41% said that they'd be more engaged if the people would be just a little bit nicer and the demand's just not as as difficult. And 82% said that they'd be more loyal to their employer if they had more flexible work options. And while half the millennials say that they feel good about the amount of money that they have to spend, less than 40% are what Gallup defines as thriving in any one aspect of well-being. In other words, they've been happy while they've had less which is actually good because even though more educated, this generation is going to struggle mightily to have the same standard of living as the generations before it. If you have any doubts about that, just look at home prices and think about how does a kid today get into the workforce and get anything close to home today? 
But even with that reality, and the reality that only 29% of millennials are currently working, millennials are already wielding $1.3 trillion of buying power, which is by far the most spending power of any generation. So guess whose marketing execs all across the country are beginning to target? Millennials. And that explains a lot of stuff that you see on TV today. Millennials are also always on their smartphones, it seems. They socialize online, purchase online, play video games online, they research online. You know, they ask Siri and YouTube what the answer is. They watch TV online, listen to or, or music online, go to class online, listen to sermons online. 90% of them use coupons that they get online. 87% of millennials admit to missing a conversation because they were on their smartphone. And this next one, 64%, so two out of three, admit to texting while driving. 78% said that they would choose to spend money on desire, a desirable experience over, some, or over buying something that is desirable. In other words, they're all about creating and sharing and capturing memories. And yet while they're out there making memories, what are they doing? They're taking pictures of it so that they can post it online. And yet with all this time online, 70% of millennials report this having this fear of missing out that somehow they're not gonna be on their phone just long enough where they're gonna miss this post or they're gonna miss what their friends are doing. 70% have this fear of missing out and just thought that maybe it's because they're always online. Millennials are also on average forty dollars to $45,000 in debt upon graduating school. Hence, one out of three are still living with their parents and a ton of them are staying at home well into their adulthood. Millennials are also reporting the highest level of clinical anxiety, stress, and depression of any other generation. Why? Because in general, millennials are experiencing less Jesus in their life. Less Jesus, more stress. They're also having a hard time really knowing how to deal with struggle. They don't know how to deal with criticism very well, confrontation very well. They don't know how to deal with hard life events very well. You see, millennials too have been impacted by the divorce of their parents and the latchkey experience that so many of them grew up with. But instead of being neglected by their parents, as the Gen Xers were, they were overprotected, overpampered, given trophies for showing up, given accolades or passing grades despite incompetence, and told that if ever anything got too rough, just go see mom and dad and they'll take care of it. As a result, they've seemed thus far to struggle with real-life problems, adversity, failures, in far greater ways than previous generations did. Why? Well, again, because just in general, they were largely protected from that growing up. And not only are they now taking over the workforce, but 80% of millennials will be parents by the year 2026. And almost 40% of them, 40% of them out of wedlock, which is just further evidence that we seem to be getting dumber and dumber as a culture. For just like the generation before, the millennials don't seem to be learning much from the past when it comes to, to straying from God's ideal of marriage and the family. And we're reaping the results of that as a culture. They also grew up in a world where for the first time in U.S. history, almost one half of their parents never went to church. They grew up in a world where sins like abortion and homosexuality were no longer topics of sin, but women's rights and equal rights. They have watched the demasculization of the male, the destruction of the idea of absolute truth, the embrace of postmodern truth, which just means truth as I see it, right? The demand for objective proof as a result of that seems to have become an antiquated ideal. And now it's making a charge. It's not actually proving somebody is guilty or innocent. They have seen the destruction of, and not just the waning of, but the destruction of the credibility of the media. I read a recent study, 90% believe the media is fake news today. 90% and yet what? We still watch it. 
the destruction of the government, the destruction of the family, and the waning effectiveness, it seems, even of the church. As way too many churches today have decided to embrace this new culture of postmodern truth, and as a result, have strayed mightily from God's truth. But with all this, they just want people to get along. They just want to be taken care of. Hence the rise of popularity of healthcare for all and socialism, of class warfare, of PC culture, and, and on and on. On the church front, most millennials have lost connection with the church's underlying message that they need to be forgiven in Christ. Growing up in a postmodern world as they are, where everything is relative, they stop seeing God as a God who really cares about their sin. And if God doesn't really care about their sin, then why do they need a Savior? Add to that the growing number of churches that have changed God's truth to fit the contemporary themes of the day, that all truth is relative. And it's not hard to see why millennials in mass might be a little less connected initially to going to God for salvation. So the church as a whole has responded by emphasizing the love of God and the help of God and the care of God, which are all wonderful and powerful things. But unfortunately, if you take away the basis of all Christianity, that we're sinners in need of a Savior, and that God has, in his love has sent us that Savior, then what the average millennial now sees about the church or thinks about the church is that it's kind of a combination country cub, self-help spa, you know, that charges dues. Add to that the cultural assault on God's truth on the church. Add to, that, add to that a constant flow of highly publicized scandals in the church. And the millennial generation in general has begun to just tune the church out. That's why two out of ten millennials believe that attending churches it's only that's why only two out of ten millennials believe that attending church is important and worthwhile today. Which, by the way, is an all-time low. While 59% of millennials raised in the church have dropped out. It's incredible. Like 35% of millennials have an anti-church stance, believing the church does more harm than good. And why today millennials are the least likely age group of anyone to attend church by far. For those that have stayed connected to the truth, to the church, the millennials say that character matters most, that budgets matter least, and that relationships are what really counts. Hence, they want a church that allows them to connect with other people. That's why small groups are so important. It gives them a family, a place to call home, a bunch of people that actually care about them as a person, and they get to know God all at the same time. They also have a high need for the church to be convenient, which is interesting because millennials today have more discretionary time at their same age than any other generation before them. And so it would seem like with more time, it would be easy to work the church into their busy schedule, but the opposite seems to be more true. More time means that they have more choices. Therefore, convenience matters when reaching this generation, which is why we're working to get the church online the way we are. Because more and more people are just looking to their iPhones. They're just not getting out of their house. And it's not just the church. It's, 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 uh, it's, worry, uh, it's gyms. It's, 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 it's golf courses. It's all sorts of places where people used to be in mass, but now they're just sitting at home. They also want to, as a rule, be involved, not just in the church, but in their community, doing something of significance, but again, not consistently involved, but when it's convenient. In other words, they want a church to meet their tangible needs when they need them met. Now, you listen to some of these facts today, right? And you may start to think this is why the millennials get some of the stereotypes about being lazy, about being self-centered, or being a generation that's corrupted by the internet, or corrupted by technology, or corrupted by, by today's culture. And it's easy to think of the younger generations in a way that somehow they're going to destroy the world. But I want you to think about it. Isn't that the way your parents thought about you? They probably thought the exact same thing, right? That's the way we always think about our younger generations, 
But the truth is, all of our generations experience corruption at times. That's how we've gotten into the mess that we've gotten into, to be honest. It's not one generation's fault. It's been a cascade of bad choices along the way. All of our generations experience times of sin. All of our generations mess up. Happened way back with our very first parents in the garden, right? Never since. We just haven't seemed to be getting things right. But in the millennials, I believe, I think, just perhaps, we begin to begin to see a ray of hope for all generations. Let me explain. You know, every week we take a, we look at whatever generation it is, and we compare it with somebody in the Bible, you know, that has some of the general same characteristics as the group does. And today we have an interesting individual by the name of Joseph that was highlighted for us in the Old Testament reading today. Now, Joseph was the son of the guy that we looked at last week, Jacob. And Joseph is an interesting character, actually, as you look at him, because when he was young, he was brash, and he was entitled, and he was pampered, and he was overly protected by his dad. And this got him into trouble with his brothers, didn't it? So much trouble that they actually kidnapped him one time and sold him into slavery. And you think that would be the worst of it all, but it just went from bad to worse for Joseph. He experienced one hardship after another hardship after another hardship until one day God rose him from those difficulties and from that place of hardship where he was, prison, to one of the most prominent positions in the world of his time. Why did God do that? So that he could use Joseph to rescue his people. I think similarly with millennials, they begin with all the skill and education and the ability in the world today, just like Joseph did. Their potential is amazing. But I'm also afraid that they too will have many difficulties in the days ahead as they work to overcome their upbringing and culture, as they learn how to deal with hardships and the realities and the difficulties and the pain that come from a world that just isn't always fair and is just flat out hard at times. But my prayer is, is that just like with Joseph, these difficulties would lead them in mass back to Jesus, seeing that they need more than just relative truth, but a real truth to hold on to, to be reconnected to a place where they can find anew their comforter and their forgiver, their shield and defender and their hope, where they can reconnect with the God who has loved them and has loved them all along. And I pray that. And we all should be praying that too. Because if they can find their way back to Jesus, they very well may be, just like Joseph before them, the one generation that God has raised that can truly come and save his people. But the way that's going to happen for this generation is by us investing in them. More than any generation before, they need to know that we care before they care what we say. It matters to them that they're reconnected, that there's places where people care about them. They're the most disenfranchised in terms of relationship generation that I can ever remember because it's all over social media today. They need tangible, real-life people that care, that will be there in the ups and downs of life. And if we can show them Jesus, it'll transform this culture of ours. It will reverse the trend that we've begun. It can save this generation. But I'll share this too. If they cannot find their way back, and there's no evidence at the moment that suggests that they will, then as they work to overcome their upbringing and cultural lies, which they will have to, they will turn to even more destructive and cynical and depressed ways than the generation before it. And so this should underscore for us our need to share the news of Jesus with this new generation. 
with our kids and with our grandkids and with every generation that follows. And it should share with us again our need in a world that is walking away from Jesus. That the church can no longer just be about us. But it's also got to be about the needs of the generations that are following. We've somehow got to figure out more and more a way to connect with these kids. So that they have Jesus too. I'll put it more selfishly. So that your grandkids can be in heaven. And your great grandkids can be in heaven. So that for generations after, we'll see a whole cavalcade of our family and rejoice with them in heaven. But the whole point of this whole series is just to impact again. As you walk away from Jesus, the news doesn't get better, right? It just gets more complicated. It gets more hard because we continue to compound one bad decision on another. The answer all the way through and for all time has always been Scripture. It's always been Jesus. It's always been connecting a culture with the one who loves them. Go with that encouragement today. In the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Let me pray. God, we love you so much. And we thank you just for, I guess, just getting a, a, a look at our culture in a, maybe a more focused way than we have in the past. To really get a sense of each of these generations that are coming along. And, and Father, it, it's, you're right. It, it doesn't look good right now. We keep walking away from you. And as we walk away from you, things get more complicated in our world and our culture. And that's translated to becoming more complicated in our families, in our kids' lives, in our grandkids' lives. Father, for way too long, we have just not taken the opportunities to share Jesus. But he's still the answer. He's still the one that can bring comfort and clarity. He's still the one that can bring forgiveness and hope. He's still the one that has the answers for what our world yearns for. It's because you created that God-shaped vacuum inside of us, and only you can fill it. So, Father, give us opportunity, and give us boldness, and give us words. And start one by one transforming our culture for your son, Jesus. And we pray this today in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.